Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and this is episode 27 of our series. Uh, with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing today? A little tired, but I'm doing good, James. How are you? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little early for us, but uh, we have a special guest with us today. Uh, Jesse Agler is on the road in Tampa Bay, and he is joining us. Uh, what's going on, Jesse? How are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me, and thank you for getting up early to accommodate the uh, time zones. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, anytime, man. It's uh, it's great having you on, and we always enjoy uh, talking a little Padres baseball with you. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, well, shit, let's just uh, let's get right into it. Uh, let's talk about the team and and uh, the new, I guess, direction they're headed uh, with the move of Matt Kemp. Um, both Patrick and I were were pretty uh, astonished that they were actually able to move him. Um, Give us a little bit of insight on how the team looks right now as far as the locker room um, with Kemp out of there. Yeah, it's not just Kemp out of there, but I don't think there's any question. I think probably most people who pay close attention to the Padres, as I'm sure most of your listeners do, you know, they realize it's a different clubhouse now. And it's not just because of Kemp and Upton, but I mean, it's these young guys coming up from AAA, and it has a totally different vibe. It does than it did at the beginning of the season. Um, and I'm not saying one's better or one's worse. It, it's just totally different. And Andy Green made a comment this past week. I think it was when we were in Pittsburgh. It might have been the beginning of the Mets series. It was something along the lines of, you know, we've created an environment here that is really good for these young guys to come up from AAA and feel comfortable. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, what Andy mm. said. But I thought that was somewhat telling. You know, I, I think he was making a point there somewhat subtly. Uh, you know, just sort of about maybe what the environment was and what the environment is. Now, look, the environment last year, the environment earlier this year, they weren't worried about young guys coming up and feeling comfortable because that's not the way, you know, the team was built at the major league level. But right now, with the direction they're going, which you alluded to, you know, I, I think there is a sense that they wanted to, to make the, the environment a little different than it had been earlier in the year. Yeah, no, it it's definitely has a different feel to it. Um, let's talk about Andy Green now. Uh, you know, he's... He's really said the correct things all year long. He's really put in the the you know the effort to to make this team you know a little more successful, a little more entertaining to watch on the field. Um, I, I was pretty impressed with him taking Yen Jervis Cerlarte out of the uh, game last week um, after not hustling out that pop up. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on that and um, you know what Andy Green has in store for him as the manager of this young team. It's it's a really interesting thing because you don't see that very often at the major league level. No. And, you know, I mean, he, he did it twice in a few days, right? Because it was Clemens over the weekend against Philadelphia and then Solarte yes. a couple of days later. I mean, yeah. it's just really not something you see very often at this level. That said, and this kind of goes back to your first question, I think, you know, sort of the clubhouse and the environment and knowing that it's a young team, knowing that it's a young clubhouse, you know, they want the example to be set, uh, you know, from the top down. And, and Solarte, who's in, in really any other context, a youngish player, right? He's only been around for a couple of years in the major leagues. I know he's got some minor league service time with the Yankees and stuff, but, you know, he, he's he's being looked to as a guy to set an example for these younger guys because he's been in the major leagues much longer than most of the guys, you know, that are sort of new to the scene in the Padre clubhouse. And, you know, Andy is making a statement, you know, that that's not going to be the way we play. And, again, on a young team, on a team like this, on a team in this position, I like that. You know, I, I think every move that they're making is now about the future, right? You know, it's, it's getting these guys playing time. Mm -hmm. They're not rolling out an outfield Dickerson-Jankowski blash every day because they're interested in, you know, 
winning more games in August than they did in July. Let's be frank. You know, they're doing it because they want to see what these guys are made of and, and to see how much a part of the future they think they can each be. And and I think the way that they play the game is going to be a big part of that. So I, I thought it was kind of a gutsy thing for Andy to do twice. I mean, doing it to a starting pitcher, I've never seen that before. You yeah. Know I mean? and, and again, I, I think that tells you everything. Like, you'll occasionally see a position player get yanked. Or I didn't like Puig have an issue at one point, you know, last yeah. year. Out. Like, that happens. Like, it does happen. Not very often, but it does happen. But for him to, like, call down to the bullpen and say, hey, get Buddy Bauman hot. This guy you know, turned what should have been a sacrifice bunt into a double play. I'm going to take him out of the game. Like, that says a lot about, mm-hmm. I think, Andy's head is. Um, yeah. I, I, I couldn't be more impressed with him. And I know that I'm around him every day and that, you know, I work for the team. So, you know, you, you, everybody can make of that what they want. But I, I'm being very honest and sincere when I say I, I could not be more impressed by Andy. You know, when I have a question about something he does in a game, um, you know, I'll go to him and ask him, you know, usually the next day. Uh, you know, I'll pop my head in the office and be like, hey, real quick. Or, you know, after he talks to the media, I was like, hey, what, what, what's this? And he'll explain it to me, and he always has a reason for everything he does. It's not necessarily something I'm going to say on, on the radio or on television or in an interview with, you know, somebody like you guys. But, like, it, it, it shows me that, okay, he's not doing anything by accident. And you talk to the other coaches about him, and you ask, I mean, they're all really impressed as well. And, and obviously, like, Mark McGuire being impressed by him, I think, you know, carries a lot more weight than Jesse Agler being impressed by him. Uh, you know, <laughs> considering what our two careers have looked like. But, uh, I, I really, really, really think the Padres got the right guy. Um, this, is a, this is a big challenge for a manager, right? You know, kind of being in this situation, particularly, you know, when you consider the makeup of the team last year and at the beginning of this season. Um, but I, I thought he's handled it really, really well. And I think he's, without question, you know, the guy for this group moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment completely that Andy Green is, is the guy they need. And obviously it's a tough situation to kind of be thrust in the middle of a rebuild when that doesn't always happen that way for a manager. So I think it's it's definitely a learning experience for him as well, given that he doesn't really have any big league experience prior to the season. So I think the growing pains are obviously there. But I really like the message he's sending to to the younger players that basically you need to try your hardest and we're going we're gonna to play regardless of record, regardless of what everyone else thinks of us. And regardless of where we're going to finish in the division this year. And I really like that message, and I think that's going to resonate going forward. Um, I wanted to get back to something you said about Salarte, about how he's kind of – obviously he's still a young guy, but he's kind of like the veteran now a little bit, given all the guys they traded. So I wanted your thoughts on kind of where you see him long-term, if he's a Padre, if he's not a Padre. Maybe he's the guy, the next guy to be traded um, I wrote a piece on East Village Times kind of discussing that whole situation, and I wanted your thoughts on that as well. You know, I, I haven't thought about it too, too much. Obviously, you know, I've read different things that people have written, you know, and, and you're right. It is sort of becoming a topic now because as we get closer to the offseason, I think, you know, the, the words contract extension are going to come up a lot, you know, in, in fan conversation at least. And, I, and I'm sure AJ probably is going to have some talks um, and probably already has internally. Um, but, you know, those talks will probably go external at some points with, with certain guys. So Larte is a really interesting case study. You know, I mean, I- if you dive into the minor league system, you know, there's a lot of really, really, really young infielders. Um, but as far as, like, the next wave of guys go, I don't know that there's an upgrade over it. In fact, I, I'd say that at this point there's no way there's an upgrade over Solarte. And mm-hmm. not to say that that, you know, can't change in the next six months. We've all seen how much things have changed, uh, you know, so quickly for the Padres multiple times really in the last, what, like 18 months at this point. Um, so, you know, I always hate to try and put a flag in the ground on something because then all of a sudden they make three trades and the, and the situation's totally different. But I, I like Solarte a lot. You know, you, you mentioned him sort of being now one of the more, like, stable veteran guys. I think he is. I think the team was appreciably and noticeably worse when he was injured this year. 
Um, and I think him coming back made them appreciably and noticeably better. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Jan Hervis Solarte. You know, we talk about the clubhouse. Here's a guy that last year, I don't remember when, let's say midway through the season, you know, sometime in the second half maybe, he really came out of his shell personality-wise with his teammates. And, you know, he sort of went from being, you know, a more quiet new guy uh, to somebody who was, you know, clapping and, you know, having fun. And he's just got such a great personality. He's loose. Uh, he's a great guy to be around. Um, I want guys like that in my clubhouse. And everybody seems to love Jan Hervis Solarte, you know, in the clubhouse. Like, you know, he seems to be one of those guys who's friends with, with players in all corners of the room. Um, and, and that's pretty rare. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan personally. I would love to see him be a part of the future. Um, and, you know, the, the contract stuff will will become an A.J. Preller conversation, not not a conversation that, that I'll be too, you know, in-depth on or anything like that or, or have too much internal understanding on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would love, I guess, in a very long-winded way, I would love to see him, you know, be a part of the future here in San Diego. Fair enough. Um, kind of, I guess, kind of going off that, um, I, I know Corey Spangenberg has missed most of the season. Um, yeah. Ryan Schimpf has obviously come and established himself pretty well and, and gotten some, I think, support from the fan base um the last couple days i've kind of been asking around seeing what people think on shimp i did a poll on twitter um basically the whole consensus i got was that shimp should be the guy going forward and that's obviously spangenberg's in that conversation as well i kind of wanted your insight being so close to the team kind of the impression you get of ryan shimp and kind of him in the clubhouse him with other guys kind of how he fits into the team and, and kind of where that leaves Corey spangenberg um obviously next year because i don't think Spanjerberg is really slated to return this year. So I wanted your thoughts on where that situation's going forward. Yeah, I think this is a great example of kind of what I was just alluding to, where you have no idea what things are going to look like, you know, in a few months. And, you know, moves could be made. Who knows? Um, you know, I, I know that they are really high on Corey Spanjerberg. Coming into this year, he was a guy that I think Andy Green was as excited about as anybody, you know, being legitimate there. I think he was really that excited about Corey Spanjerberg. I remember back in spring training, Andy was talking about how, you know, Spangenberg wore out the Diamondbacks and it was like every ball was hard hit. Andy also said, hey, we had him positioned very well. Uh, you know, we got him out more times than not. But, you know, Andy really, really likes Corey Spangenberg. But look, that's that's a couple of really, really like big time injuries that have kept the guy out. And when you miss an entire season, you know, there's no telling how you bounce back from that, particularly when you're talking about leg muscle stuff for a guy whose game is, is built around speed. Um, you know, Spangenberg is a very popular figure. He's a guy that, again, they're very high on. So he'll be in the mix, I would imagine, you know, one way or the other moving forward. You know, with Schimpf, you got to play him every day now, right? You got to figure out what this is. You know, you got to expand the sample size as much as you can because, for whatever reason, the Toronto Blue Jays, in seven years of having him in the minor leagues, despite the fact that he produced at every single level, never gave him the shot. Um, so now the Padres have to give Ryan Schimpf the shot, you know, and they got to kind of see how it goes. I was talking to uh, one of the Pirates guys when we were there the other day and, you know, saying like he was asking about Ryan Schimpf and he's like, you know, he's, he said to me, he kind of looks like just like a 4A guy. And I was like, I mean, that's how the Blue Jays treated him. But now all of a sudden here he is and, and he's doing great. And the Pirate guy kind of shook his head and he goes, yeah, I mean, that's what Adam Duvall was a year ago. You know, with the Reds, he was like this 4A guy. And then all of a sudden he's leading baseball and home runs. So, you know, things do work out well sometimes. I mean, we're also conditioned as fans to be negative and expect the worst. But, you know, every, every once in a while something really does break well your way, you know, at least for a period of time. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I got no answer as far as who's starting at second base in the Cactus League opener against the Mariners in March. Um, but, <laughs> but it will be very interesting. It, it will. You know, it, it'll be something to keep an eye on because you're right, right now on August 15th, uh, you know, it, it does look like they've got a couple of very viable options at second base. But look, for Spangenberg, the main thing is to come back, be healthy. I'd be shocked if he didn't play winter ball this year, you know, just to try and get some ABs, you know, test everything out so that he can go into spring training feeling physically confident and not worrying about like, okay, how's my leg going to be? Yeah, I think it's certainly a good issue to have that they have both Shimp and Spangenberg now. I mean, they kind of, I guess, traded away Jerko because they, they wanted to give Spangenberg the chance and they thought he was better for the long-term future. And now kind of with Schimpf in the mix, it, it creates a little bit of a problem. But I think, like I said, it's a good problem to have. So you can never have too much uh, depth, especially for a team in the middle of a rebuild. They need to kind of figure out what yeah. parts are going to fit, what parts aren't going to fit, and kind of what the areas of strength and areas of weakness are and kind of to build the team better. No question. And, and I mean, my, my philosophy is when you say it's a good problem to have, it ain't a problem then. You know, I mean, yeah. that's yeah. I mean, yeah. it, Let's call it something else. But uh, I don't know what word we'll, maybe we'll have to come up with the term, you know, to use there. Yeah. Uh, but, but also, you know, and again, like these things have a way of, of working themselves out, you know, with injuries and stuff like that. So it, it'll be very interesting. You're right. On paper, you know, the, oh, this is a tough decision. But, you know, who knows? Maybe one of those guys hits, you know, 470 in spring training and the other one hits 111. And you say, okay, you know, we, we have a sense of at least how we're going to start the season. And then you take it from there. So much changes over the course of the year. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's so interesting to see, you know, the game of baseball and how players emerge and, and, and basically fall off the table, you know, every year. Um, Shimp is a perfect example of that. I mean, a guy who's, like you guys alluded, a journeyman uh, minor leaguer who's just really stepped up. And, and, you know, it's exciting. I think that's why it makes the, uh, the three of us baseball fans because you, you never know what's around the corner. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely one of the, the, the most incredible things about baseball. And, I mean, Ted on the radio, he, he uses a term all the time, you know, when we talk about crazy things happening and frustrating things happening, and he says, it's a game that will bring you to your knees. And it will, you know, yeah. I mean, as a player. And, and by the way, I, I kind of, Patrick, sorry, you asked about Schimpf and sort of his existence and, and in the clubhouse and his personality, I think, a little bit. I, I forgot to answer that. But, but this goes to that. He, he's, like, as even-keeled as it comes. I mean, he is, like, textbook one day at a time, one at bat at a time, pitch at a time baseball player. Like he really is like, he is not patting himself on the back for the success that he's had. You know, he's yeah. like been through enough and he's, I mean like super serious, you know, like very like even keeled, like to the max. So wow. just saying. So you know. Yeah. I think uh, all those minor league uh, service years kind of drilled that into him. Just, just kind of sure. uh, just be a robot, if you will, out there and, yeah. and just, uh, just produce. Um, okay. So talking about bizarre things, um, let's get into the Kashner trade right now. That that you know the whole Colin Ray being sent back thing. Um, I'd love to hear your in depth thoughts on that. Um, I, in my opinion, the the Padres got a really decent return for Kashner, uh, even if you take out the Ray and uh, Castillo part of the deal. Um, Jesse, what what are your thoughts on on the return for Kashner? Definitely a weird one, right? You know, when all yeah. said, I'm looking forward to getting to Miami next week or two weeks from now, whenever. Yes. <laughs> and, and talking to, you know, some, I, I know, you know, I, I used to, I did the Marlins pre and post game shows for a couple of years on the radio a long time ago, like 10 years ago now, which is terrifyingly crazy. But <laughs> so, you know, I, I still know a lot of people there and I, I'm curious to kind of like poke around, feel around, get a sense of like what's going on because I've obviously, you know, heard from the Padres and I want to hear from the Marlins as well. I, I, my general sense on the trade was that the Padres originally had no intent whatsoever of trading Colin Ray. You know, they, they just, you know, they, they weren't even considering it. They like him. He's young. He's controllable. He's part of the future, et cetera, et cetera. 
And, you know, I think as that trade sort of expanded and expanded and expanded as the two sides talked, all of a sudden Ray's name came up and the Padres said, okay, you know, look, if we're going to put him in, we want this guy, which one would assume is Castillo. And, you know, then the trade ends up happening. Wow, blockbuster. So then, you know, Colin Ray gets injured. You know, it'll be interesting what this MLB investigation says. You know, I, I think, and probably a lot of people learned this in the last, you know, few weeks, but it's something I don't think a lot of people necessarily knew was, you know, whenever we have these trades, everybody always says, the reporters always say, you know, pending medical, pending physical, whatever. But these guys aren't actually physically checked out by the other teams. You know, it's just an exchange of medical information. And, you know, like I said, it'll be interesting to see what the Major League thing says. I, I, A.J. Preller is not a guy that's trying to, like, fleece somebody on medical information. It's just yeah. not good. Yeah. So I think it was something a little bit stranger that happened. You know, who knows what Colin Ray had told you know, them, if his elbow was hurting. Like, pitchers' elbows hurt all the time, and they don't tell you all the time. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, I think we'll find out more about what happened, because who knows. But, so, Ray gets hurt. You know, the Marlins are upset about it. And, you know, they call AJ, and I, I think AJ was like, look, you know, I'm not trying to, I wasn't trying to screw you. You know, I mean, this isn't, you know, some underhanded thing. And, you know, like, all right, like, again, we like Colin Ray. We want Colin Ray to be part of our future. You know, a, a guy having to have that procedure done on his elbow and his arm now is not a career ender. Not that it's easy to come back from, not that it's automatically going to be something you come back from, not that it's going to be smooth sailing every time. <clears throat> but I think for the Padres, they like Colin Ray. They're building for a long-term future. And, okay, you know, if he misses now a year plus uh, coming back from this, you know, we hope that he'll rehab, he'll come back, he'll be great, and, and, and they'll be happy to have Colin Ray. So definitely a weird one. Uh, you're right. You know, I, I think you know from what I understand, a lot of the the guys that got back from Miami in that deal, they're excited about, and you know that's that's cool. You know, I mean they they've put in a lot of new talent to this system uh, mm-hmm. between the draft, obviously, and, and Quantrill's another guy coming back from an elbow that didn't scare them off. You know, the first pick. Um, so I, I think it gives you a little bit of a sense of uh, how they feel about the elbow thing. Yeah. No, I, I think you hit it right on the head. They're 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 comfortable with keeping Ray, and uh, you know, I, in the long run, I don't think this is a bad thing. And I know Castillo throws triple digits, and you know, he's another young arm. But I think uh, Ray will be beneficial to the team in the long run. And, and you know, he's someone who's already been here. He's a homegrown Padre, so you know, it's you got to look at the positive things of it. I'm 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 a positive Padre fan, if you will, and you know. It, I love the return of, of Naylor, and I love Caps as well. I, th- I think that that was a, a great return for, for essentially for someone who the Marlins are going to rent for a couple months because you know I, I don't see Cashner resigning in Miami. I, I see him probably going back to his home state, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, even and even if he does sign in Miami, I mean, what's the matter to the Padres at that point? You know, I mean, yeah, they got what exactly, they got. And, exactly. You know, the Marlins had as good of a shot I would imagine at him in free agency prior to this trade as they will after the trade. So yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree. It's a nice return, and and Caps. You know, I mean, you look at what the back end of the Padre bullpen has looked like the last couple of years. It's been these super effective guys who have, mm-hmm. in some cases, been kept to continue to be super effective and in other cases have been shipped off for some really impressive returns. Um, and, and Carter Capps, you know, he could be either one of those things for the Padres. I mean, again, coming off an elbow, you know, as so many of these guys seem to be. But mm-hmm. um, as we all saw last year firsthand, too, at Petco Park, I mean, really one of the most interesting and exciting, uh, you know, pitchers in baseball. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely stoked for seeing him next season. I think, uh, you know, with with our Padre luck, though, they'll probably change uh, the, the rules and make his uh, his delivery illegal. No, 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 it, is, <laughs> it has been decreed. He's okay. It's good to go. And it's funny. Andy Green was asked that when they acquired him, and he he kind of joked like that. He's like, yeah. nope, rule has been written. It's over. Yeah. The done. Like we're moving forward. <laughs> good. Uh, we don't want any amendments to that rule. <laughs> exactly. 
Okay. Uh, you know, it, again, it, it's it's so strange the way baseball works. I mean, you look at going into the start of the season, the Padres had Shields, Ross, and Kashner as their big three. And uh, now essentially all three are gone. Um, let's talk a little bit about Tyson Ross and um, what you see from him uh, moving forward. I, I know this was a, a lost season for him. I, I know he's got to be heartbroken about, you know, but the potential of, of what this season had. Um what do you see from him? Do you, do you think the Padres are going to take it easy with him, ease him back into the rotation in September? And uh, do you believe that they'll try to trade him or extend him? Um, what what are your your what is your gut uh, feelings? I have no sense of what they'll try and do with him contractually, trade or anything like that. You know, it's just such a lost season that mm-hmm. it, it, in, in my gut it makes me say that there's probably not going to be much movement because you know, like, all right, let's start fresh next year and kind of see how it goes. But you never know. Um, yeah. You know, as far as this year, they really do seem intent on him pitching again this season. And I like that. And it's kind of like the Spangenberg thing where I mentioned, you know, hey, send him out to winter ball. You know, make sure he's confident physically going into spring training so that when, you know, February rolls around and the guys report for camp, that, you know, he's not thinking about, okay, how are my legs going to feel? He's thinking about playing baseball. And I think there's probably a similar thing with Tyson trying to get him to return at some point late this season, you know, probably in September. Um, the role will be interesting, right? Like, do they even try and stretch him out and build up, you know, his stamina to start? Or do they just yeah. want to get him out there and, you know, have a few appearances out of the bullpen, again, just to sort of build that physical confidence? I haven't asked, you know, what, what that plan is yet because it's been such a step-at-a-time thing. And, you know, he is getting closer. I mean, it, it sounds like he's going to have a live BP coming up, maybe even here uh, in, in St. Pete sometime this week. So, okay. um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see. You know, something to keep an eye on, obviously. Uh, you know, I mean, Andy has asked about him by A.J. Casavell and Dennis Lynn pretty much every single day. Hey, what's the latest? What's he doing? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and and it does seem like the news is, is progressively getting better here. Yeah, I don't really see a scenario where he gets traded this offseason because I just don't think he's going to be able to build up enough value to where they feel comfortable moving him. I, I think that if they hold on to him next year and they can either decide, are we going to sign this guy long term? Are we going to trade him at the deadline? I think next year's deadline would be the best um, time to move on from him if that's what they want to do. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them extend him. I mean, I, I know that's maybe a lot of Padre fans don't want to see them extending guys like that. They want to trade him, get all the prospects they can while we're in this full rebuild. But I think he could be a good kind of piece to have at the top of the rotation, especially as these younger guys start coming up. He's obviously a good example to have yeah. um, of, of the success he's had. And kind of he's obviously a great guy, great ball player, great in the clubhouse. Um, so I, I think he could be a, a, an important piece as well, but that I guess that remains to be seen once he uh, gets healthy. Um, so kind of bouncing off that, I wanted your thoughts on uh, Travis Jankowski. He's opened a lot of eyes. Um, he's been the starting center fielder pretty much the last, what, month or so. So I wanted your thoughts on how he's played um, kind of in the clubhouse, what you think his future is. Do you think he's a starting outfielder? I know maybe not center fielder because – uh, Manuel Margot seems to have the lock on that long term, but do you think Jankowski has a spot in that outfield? It, it's I'll tell you what, watching him every day, I don't know that there's a guy in baseball that covers more ground than he does in center field. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen Margot in person, you know, save for a little bit in spring training, you know, this year. It'll be interesting. Uh, I, I I can't crunch the numbers. I'm not mathematically inclined enough. Not inclined. I would love to do it. I'm just not skilled enough mathematically to crunch the numbers and see like. What would Travis Jankowski have to look like offensively for him to sort of be worth, you know, more than his weight in the starting lineup? You know, I don't know what that magic number is on base wise, whatever, you know, runs wise, 
for Travis Jankowski. But I bet it isn't that high um, because that's how good the defense is. And he's getting on base, and he's doing a sensational job as a leadoff guy. There was a stat the other day. I think he's hitting like 360 this season when leading off an inning. You know what I mean? Like those are the kinds of things you'd love from this guy. He reached base to open the game, all three against the Mets. You know, single walk, walk in the three. I think he's done it in five of his last six games. He's gotten on base in the top of the first, you know, leading off. I, I couldn't be more impressed with Travis Jankowski right now. And I know Margot is like the big, big time prospect and, you know, big part of the future, blah, blah, blah. Jankowski is still a young guy. Um, and he's doing it right now at the major league level. Margot has not yet. Now he's going to get that opportunity. I imagine we'll see him in September when the Chihuahuas postseason run comes to a close. But, you know, like right now it's Edge Jankowski. And again, a million things can change, you know, and I'm sure will going into spring training next year and out of spring training and over the course of the season. Uh, but but right now, Travis Jankowski is my center fielder, not my outfielder. He's my center fielder. Uh, you know, watching him every day defensively, watching him get on base. Um, you know, I, I think he's sort of earned the opportunity uh, right now, and, and and he's really taken hold of it. And in the clubhouse, you asked about just like the loosest, happy, nice, like good dude, man. Like that's all I can think of to say. He's like <laughs> you know, just like happy. He looks like kind of Southern California surfer with the hair, right? But like mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of got a little East Coast grit to him underneath the surface, maybe. But just like a good baseball player, loves being around. Um, you know, like always in his locker when the media is in there, just kind of hanging out. You know, if, if you need to talk to him, it's no problem. Just like a really, really, really nice guy, um, and and has been playing some sensational baseball. The the catch he made on the sack fly uh, Saturday, I guess, in New York against the Mets, right? The uh, the one that gave New York the lead in the seventh inning, where he went back like Willie Mays, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, they they yesterday before the game at City Field, you know, they're rolling back the highlights of the previous night. And they showed that play, and it was like the Mets TV broadcast, and Gary Cohn and Keith Hernandez were doing the game, and they were like blown away by that catch. Like you heard it in the highlight, and remind remind like that's a play that gave the Mets a lead late in the game, and they were like going crazy over the catch. Like that's how like yeah. impressed. Like Keith Hernandez was like, "Whoa!" Like when he caught it, like in real time. I mean, it, he's been so fun to watch, and. uh It'll be really interesting, you know, to see how they handle, you know, the the situation with him and Margot if he continues to produce like this. Yeah, I think it goes back to kind of the second base problem. If you have uh, yeah. too many cooks in the kitchen per se, but uh, like you said, it's not really much of a problem. So I yeah. think uh, they definitely will benefit from it. And not to get too kind of stat heady here, but uh, Jankowski's played 91 games this year. He's already been worth 2.4 Fangraphs WAR. So extrapolate over a full season he's he's looking like a, a four-war player which for a center yeah. fielder that's that's really really good that's honestly top 10 in the league so i think anthony doing... rizzo is a four-war player right like i mean that's what yeah. we're talking about here yeah. like that's think about that like will yeah. myers i think on Fangraphs is like a 4.4 right now yeah so, so i mean it's a good player yeah, yeah. and <laughs> i mean really he, i think he's already doing just enough on offense i mean he's, he's hitting 254 maybe that could be a little higher he's getting on base at a 369 clip that's pretty good Mm-hmm. Um, his weighted runs created plus is one one, which is just one percent better than league average. But I think with so much, with how much he does on the bases, twenty five stolen bases, um, and how much he does in the field, I think that's just enough hitting to where he can be a damn good player. And I think long term he could be a starting option. Not sure where they stick Margot, or maybe Jankowski shifts uh, to left. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but I think they definitely need to get both guys in the lineup starting next season. 
Yeah, I mean, if if uh, if you're gonna have both of those guys in the outfield, maybe you only need two outfielders. You know, just put one yeah. in left center, and one in oh, right definitely, center. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah really. Just stick an infielder behind second base or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think the biggest improvement that uh, Jankowski's made is last year he only walked in four percent of his plate appearances, and now he's up near fifteen. So he's getting on base a lot. Um, he's obviously not gonna hit for power, not gonna do anything like that. But if he's getting on base in the top of the lineup, that that's a that's a threat for sure. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, Jankowski is just, he, I mean, he's just so exciting to watch, you know, just, you know, he can ground out and deep into the hole and, and just seeing him leg out, uh, you know, a near base hit and, and just be caught on a bang bang play at first. I mean, that alone is exciting to watch. And I think Andy Green loves those type of players. He loves players that, that hustle. He loves players that put in the, the best effort. And Jankowski is, is obviously one of those type of players. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, he's here for his his grit and for his uh, abilities, um, his intangible abilities, rather than you know what you see on the stat line, and, and th- that seems to be uh, Andy Green's forte as far as uh, bringing in players. Um, Jesse, we'll have a couple more questions for you. I, I know you're on the road, and, and you probably need to prepare for today's game. Um, you know, let's let's talk about the rotation next season, and uh, that's huh. a gonna, that's going <laughs> to be a glaring need for the team. Um, I have no idea. Know. Let me answer your question now. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think they have any idea. Like, there's no way to know right now. I no. mean, Feast Perdomo, I think, has earned you know the opportunity to start the year in the rotation. But this is a spring training question. You know, I mean, this is yeah, yeah. Because first of all, I don't even know who the bodies are going to be. Right? Um, you know, I know they like Clemens and Cozart. You know, as projects here, and and we're seeing a little bit. You know, here and there, be like, okay, I, mm-hmm. I, I see what they like. Um, so you got to figure they're in the mix. Perdomo, obviously, you hope that Tyson is you know back healthy, ready to start. Uh, but but oh my goodness, man! I mean, I, I got no idea. Edwin Jackson yeah. fun to watch. You know, he could be around again. Like who, it could be these five guys. It could be five totally different guys. Yeah, seriously, or any, or any combination thereof. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely uh, questions to be answered as far as the rotation. I mean, there's so many unanswered. I mean, there's Cesar Vargas back in the in the in the background. You know, there's there's just a there's a lot of players that can emerge. And, and you're right, spring training is when this is going to have to be uh, sorted out. Um, my question was going to be towards uh, Brand Hand and um, Brandon Maurer, and whether or not you think the team will try to make either one into a starting uh, pitcher for next season. Ooh, uh, that's a really good question. I feel like no on Maurer just because they tried it. You know, and and okay. They gave it the shot in spring training. It didn't work. You know, they love him in this role, et cetera. Hand is interesting. I, I think there's a possibility. You know, I mean, okay. like Maurer, he's done it in the past. So my personal philosophy, which, of course, carries no weight in the front office, nor should it, is I, I hate that stuff. I, I just do. Um, I, I always think of Java Chamberlain, who I, I thought, you know, was going to be like, you know, the next Mariano Rivera, right? And then they started bouncing it back and forth, back and forth. And the next thing you know, it's like he's just a guy for the rest of his career. And I know that's one example, and that's kind of cherry-picking, but that's, that's what I always think of. And, and for me, when a guy is really good at something, let him be really good at it. Now, is there more value in a guy being really good as a starter than as a seventh-inning guy? Of course, absolutely. Or an eighth-inning guy? There's no question. Um, so I, I understand sort of the, the calculus there and wanting to try it off, you know, trying to get off as, as a starting pitcher in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's possible that they try it with hand. I, I would guess not again on Maurer because they did it last year and it didn't work or at the beginning of spring training this year, I guess. But for me, when a guy is excelling doing something, let him do that. That's me. Now, Brad Hinn maybe wants to start and is pushing for it. says, yeah, give me the shot, give me the shot, give me the shot. And at that point, okay, yeah, like, here, let's give it a try. Um, and, and I guess the thing that makes me feel good is that 
with Maurer this year, they weren't hesitant to pull the plug. You know, there wasn't sort of this hubris of, hey, this is something we want to do, so we're going to jam it in. They recognized, okay, it's not working. Let's readjust his role, and and things have worked out fine since then. Um, so it, it'll be an interesting thing to watch. I, I think it's a very real possibility, yeah, uh, with Brad Hand, uh, despite my own personal thoughts and feelings. <laughs> yeah, I think the rotation uh, definitely might be a little of a mess next year. But, I mean, if you're rebuilding, what do you really have to lose? You're going to find out what these guys have, who's going to be kind of in the rotation or in the bullpen going forward. So it's it's a good time to kind of play with some things. Um I wanted your thoughts on the shortstop situation because I think at this point that's really the one area where there's not really a guy that you can really look at and say he's our shortstop. I mean, every other position kind of has a guy. I mean, the outfield has young guys and other guys like Renfro and Marco coming up. Obviously, Will Myers is entrenched at first. Austin Hedges is eventually going to be here at catcher. Um, but shortstop's the one where you, you can't really say who's going to be the guy. There's a couple guys in the minors, but those are guys that are a few years off. So where do you see that situation going, and how do you see that playing out? Oh, man, these crystal balls uh, for the future are tough. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, Javi Perez's name's got to be kicked around, right? You know, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I my sense when they signed Alexei Ramirez this year was he was going to be the placeholder, you know, for him. I, I, I think right now... Um, you know, they're probably leaning towards going younger rather than older at shortstop for next season because that's the way they look like they're going to play out the rest of this year um, with Ramirez. So it's Nick Noonan or whomever. Um, they got a lot of shortstops, man. You know, I mean, that, that's something they've got in the minors. And, and you're right, some of them are 16 years old and, you know, some of them are 21 years old. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got a little bit of a look at Jose Rondon. Um, you know, I, I think he could certainly be in the mix. If it's me and if nothing drastic changes between now and spring training, uh, I'm taking Nick Noonan, I'm taking Javi Guerra, I'm taking Jose Rondon, and I'm saying, let's fight it out, you know, and, and let's see. Or, or And maybe there's another guy I'm not thinking of or whatever. But, you know, I, I'm saying, hey, you're, you know, when, when Cactus League play starts, you're going to start, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. The second guy's going to start this day, that day. And, you know, we're going to kind of see how it all shakes out uh, over the course of, of the spring. Um, and defense is going to be a big part of that, you know, I, I would imagine, um, you know, and, and who can cover the most ground and, and really help out the young pitching staff. That could be very interesting. You're right. There's no obvious answer. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of long-term options. Obviously, you have Reddy Garone in low A, Fort Wayne. Sure. Yeah. You have uh, Luis Urias in high A, like Elsinore. Um, obviously, Garris there as well. Um, Urias has been seeing more time at second base, obviously, since Garris there now. Um, Garris was supposed to be the guy, but he's been just – pretty bad this year pretty awful honestly so he's obviously needs to recover from that and build towards that but those three guys are all probably at least two years away so i really think that that jose rondon did enough in his short audition to kind of prove himself and i think he could be a guy um that could be up next year maybe full time if if nothing works out otherwise certainly possible yeah, yeah. certainly possible and, and look they they never intended for him to skip triple a you know i mean mm-hmm. when he came up from san antonio to the padres it was more a situational thing um, you know, because Amarista got hurt, I think was the move at the moment. Um, so uh, they like having him now at AAA, you know, give him that opportunity to play there, uh, you know, get comfortable there. And, and you're right, he, he he might be the most common sense guy, you know, for next year. Yeah, I think if, if yeah. Nick Noonan can do enough to kind of show himself, maybe he could be that guy as well. But I think, like you said, just throw these guys out there in spring training, let them fight it out and see what happens. But I, I think that Alexei Ramirez isn't the guy. I mean, he, he was a good stopgap for the year, but he's just been so poor that I don't know if they can – do another year of that at this point, especially after all the nonsense with Clint Barmas and Alexia Amarista and just how 
how bad the shortstop position has been for the Padres. Uh, really, since Cleo Green kind of stopped being good, and <laughs> kind of fell apart there. Yeah, um, I mean, Ramirez was supposed to be the guy to stabilize it. You know, I mean, it's some, I, I forget the stat, but it's something, you know, like he's played in 148 games every you know year since his rookie year or something like that. And he was supposed to guy just go out there each and every day. But, you know, as they've sort of turned the corner here with this youth movement, um, you know, they, they've made it pretty clear that, uh, you know, they, they want to try out, you know, the young guys there. Yeah, there's no sense yeah. trotting out veterans that they kind of already know what they have. It's better to trot out these young guys and see what they have. Exactly. Definitely. All right. Well, you know, Jesse, I, th- I think uh, I think we're about done. We really appreciate you looking into your crystal ball for us and uh, <laughs> and pulling out the the wealth of information that uh, we we crave. Um, you know, thank you so much for joining us. Um, have a great uh, rest of the road trip, and you know, hopefully, we can have a successful series in, in Tampa this uh, this um, week to start out the week. For sure, guys. James Patrick, appreciate it. My pleasure as always. Thank you so much, Jesse. My best to the family. Um, you know, we didn't even get the ch- chance to talk about the baby. How's the baby doing? I, I, <laughs> I want to go into that briefly. The, ba- the baby is doing great. Thank you. He uh, he went to his first game uh, a few Sundays ago. Hung out at the park in nice. the park. With some of his little friends. Uh, obviously, nice. had no idea what was going on. But um, <laughs> it, it's it's tough being away during the season. There's no doubt. It's definitely yeah, yeah. it's it's quite a challenge. But uh, I'm looking forward to the off season. And uh, as I've been joking with people, getting to know my kids. So it'll be. <laughs> Definitely. All right, Jesse. Well, thank you so much again, and and, and uh, we will talk uh, shortly. You got it, guys. Take care, Thanks. Jesse. Bye. Uh, well, folks, that was uh, Jesse Agler of uh, Padre fame uh, talking to us a little bit about the team and uh, where uh, they're headed uh, direction-wise. Um, Patrick, uh, your thoughts on Jesse? Um, always, always good insight from Jesse. He's obviously there every day, kind of sees the action that goes on. Um, I agree with him on a lot of things he said that this this is really the youth movement now and they got to see kind of what they have in some of these guys and kind of figure some things out going forward and I think I, I couldn't really agree more with his, his comments on Andy Green and how Andy Green seems to be kind of I guess fitting more into that role as a manager and he's making good decisions and he's learning on the job and I think he's improving mm-hmm. and that's really all he can ask and I think he's setting a pretty pretty good example for the players especially the young guys. Yeah, no, I mean, he's had a rough go of it with injuries and stuff. I mean, they lost Tyson Ross in the first start of the, the, the year, so he's he's had an uphill battle the whole way, and, you know, I'm, I'm impressed with him. I, I was uh, a little concerned, being that he's a rookie and he's learning on the job, but I, it, I think it's probably the best thing for the team right now. Um, you know, at 50 and 67, uh, the team is 16 games under 500 at presently, and, you know, it's pretty much what we all expected. Um you know the the stars are gone. Kemp's gone. Upton's gone. Shields is gone. Kashner's gone. So for this team to to tread water with with the roster that they have, uh, to me, says a lot about Andy Green and his ability to manage a young team. Of course, man. It's it's definitely it's definitely good to know that they have. I think they have the right guy kind of instilled as the manager going forward. And I think that was really the the one most important piece. Obviously, the players will come eventually. Um, I think that yeah. having a good manager is really the key to kind of unlocking that potential and creating a winner on the field. For sure, yeah, we're we're definitely uh, excited for the future of this franchise. It's uh, it seems to be trending in the right direction, and and uh, for the first time in a long time, that uh, the future is bright for the San Diego Padres. Couldn't agree more. Okay, uh, well, thank you so much for joining us, folks, on uh, episode 27 of the Padres uh, East Village Times Padres podcast. Um, we have AJ Casavell lined up for a, another podcast in the next couple, couple of days. Uh, definitely look forward to that. Uh, Patrick, um, anything else before we get out of here? 
Uh, no, just uh, keep keep watching the youth movement, guys. It's going to be uh, fun to see more and more young players. And once uh, AAA ends their season, I think we'll see a couple more guys that some people have been waiting to get their eyes on. Um, and as for us, um, we are hosted on Podbean. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Um, you can follow me at Patrick Brewer ninety three at Twitter. Uh, James is EBT underscore News, among a few other uh, t- Twitter profiles. James is a busy man on Twitter. Uh, so yeah. give us both a follow on all our accounts. Uh, stay tuned for more more good content, more podcasts. Always willing to provide as much information as we can get. Yeah, we are we're happy and willing to provide information about the San Diego Padres. So uh, thank you so much for checking us out. Uh, East Village Times Podcast, signing out. Thank you.